Progressive Voices John Sinton has written a continuing series called A Turning Point that touches on politics, culture, and media. You can hear the short essays in the on-demand section of ProgressiveVoices.com and on the PV app. For Progressive Voices, I'm John Sinton, and this is A Turning Point today toward a new fairness doctrine. It used to be that broadcast outlets had to serve the public interest. One of the ways in which they were required to do so was by making time for opposing views. The Federal Communications Commission was created by the Communications Act of 1934 to regulate the use of our collective asset, the electromagnetic spectrum on which all broadcast signals ride. Commercial interests would have loved to have owned the spectrum, but taking a page from our national parks, which were also created to protect our collective resources, that time from developers who sought to own and exploit the Grand Canyon, Congress enacted the Communications Act. As the technologies of mass communication evolved, so did the regulatory power of the FCC, ultimately encompassing new uses of the spectrum like FM and television, as well as the higher frequencies that would come to be used for military, satellite, and wireless data transmission, including smartphones. Part of the concern Congress registered was that without intercession, moneyed interest would monopolize, in the truest economic sense of the word, the spectrum, leaving non-commercial and military interests to fend for themselves against entrenched, powerful companies. To prevent that, they limited the number of stations in a single, that a single entity could buy, settling in the 1950s on ownership caps that prevented any one company from owning more than a total of seven AMs, seven FMs, and seven television stations, and at that time, no more than one per service in any given market. There was also concern that the powerful new medium of radio would be used for propaganda purposes, and a very real fear grew that unless we required them to provide equal time for opposing views on issues of import, the public would be exposed only to the information and opinions that licensees, an exclusive club with wide-ranging commercial interests, wanted them to hear. In 1949, with the advent of television, Congress created the Fairness Doctrine, a rule that required a full airing of issues from all sides. Broadcasters had to follow the letter of the law or risk losing their increasingly lucrative licenses. At the dawn of the Internet, while we were all full of hope for a truly accessible citizen's media, I convinced myself that considering all the new technologies to allow us to get around the traditional media gatekeepers, democracy would flourish and a new level playing field would render the fairness doctrine unnecessary and obsolete. In 2007, I went so far as to write an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal for proclaiming a new age in media, and boy, was I wrong. It wasn't long before sites consolidated into the few hugely powerful entities that created the social networks we love to hate. We need a new fairness doctrine. YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, also a Facebook company, Twitter, They've all tried to and failed to police themselves. For a time, we figured they didn't want to stop the often violent and hateful posts that threatened people and governments everywhere. Slowly, we came to understand their terrifying secret. They were collectively Dr. Frankenstein, and their monster spewing myths and disinformation was out of their control. Industry hates government regulation. The car industry fought life-saving seatbelts and airbags. The airline industry fought refund rules. The mining industry fought safety regs. Don't get me wrong. 
I'd love to start on big oil, big tobacco, and big pharma, but I only have so much time here. Most consumers agree they're better off for watchdog agencies that don't have a dog in the for-profit fight. The TikTok app is currently without equal. If you're concerned about our kids amusing themselves at the cost of education and social skills, fix your gaze here. Note that domestic Chinese users under 14 see only educational posts and probably a ton of propaganda about history and science experiments that they can do at home. Their screen time is limited by the app itself to 40 minutes a day. Tristan Harris, a former Google exec and current tech ethicist who is the co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology, guested on 60 Minutes recently and he said, this is almost like the Chinese company ByteDance that owns TikTok recognizes the technology's influence on children and they make their domestic version a spinach TikTok while they ship the opium version to the rest of the world, unquote. It shows when children in both countries are asked about their career aspirations, the number one answer in America is social media influencer. The number one answer in China is astronaut. Hmm. The argument against regulating these new media giants is that as commercial entities, they are not riding on the public airwaves. Government has no business interfering then. But that concept gets more specious by the hour. We won't be as heavy-handed as China, but cars, planes, drugs, and tobacco all screamed for regulation, and their respective industries survived and continue to prospect, and so will the social media purveyors. For Progressive Voices, I'm John Sinton. Go to the on-demand section of ProgressiveVoices.com or the PV app and look for A Turning Point.